Getting tickled. Judy asked me, well, you know, we, we can go to your church if you want to. And, and I, I don't mind. You know, we'll, we'll go to your church. And I said, I want to go to your church. I like the music. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hearing you out there. I like the music, but it was exciting. I mean, I remember watching people just get all excited in the spirit and take off running. And you say, well, now, where is that in the Bible? Well, every read where it talks about signs and wonders. Well, that's a wonder. <laughs> but you know what? Different people react in a lot of different ways. You can have somebody that has got this very stoic and, you know, reserved uh, demeanor about them. And, I mean, uh, the, the most <laughs> impressive thing they might do is stand there and, you know, have their lower lip tremble. And for them, I mean, they're, that's extreme. And then you'll have somebody like our daughter. Oh, I'm not going to tell you which one. <laughs> but seriously, you know, you can have somebody. That's why you have somebody at a ball game that's screaming and yelling. Well, my goodness, there's a whole lot more going on here than some bag of hot air going across the field. Amen. I'm going to get off of that. I'll go to Medlin if I'm not careful. Praise God. I am believing that God is going to minister to you this morning. And I want to, first off, kind of prepare our hearts. I love doing this because, you know, the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Well, this is part of your testimony. So if you've got your Bible with you, hold your Bible up. E-version or tree version, paper or electronic, hold your Bible up and say this with me. This is my Bible. It's God's Holy Word. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly confess. My mind is renewed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace. And live by His Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask uh, if Abby, you can put up that first set of scriptures. I believe it starts with verse 17. Well, whichever one it is. And it came to pass. I think it's up there. Yeah, there we go. We're good. Follow along with me. And I, I'm, I'm going to read... A fairly good amount of scripture, but hopefully I'm a decent enough reader. It won't bore you. Some of you are very familiar with this story. Others are not. And you need to get this in your spirit this morning. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah. Ahab, I'll stop and say Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom of the ten tribes. This is when Israel was divided. I'll say some more about that in a minute, but this is who Ahab is. Elijah is God's prophet. 
And Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou in thy father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, or bulls. Let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. Say that out loud, no fire. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. In 1 Kings 18.30, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar, round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice in the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Somebody say amen. Now, if you're not real familiar with the story, let me kind of give you a little bit of background, a little bit of understanding of what's going on, and then we'll actually get into the story of it. This is in the setting when... In the, in the Old Testament, before Christ was born, before Christ came, lived, died, rose, ascended, and sits at the right hand of the Father, God would speak to His people through His prophets. And we're going to get into some of that. 
But Israel had allowed themselves to be just kind of sucked in to all of this idol worship. And it, it started off pretty small, but then it had just grown to where the, the actually a satanic worship and idol worship had drawn them into worshiping false gods, false idols. They had, they had just allowed sin to get a hold of them. See, whenever we turn away from God, there is no such thing as living in neutral ground. We're living in one place or the other. And so because they had stopped serving the true God, then here they were with the idolatry and really all of the companion sins that were involved with it going on. King Ahab was so wicked that he allowed his pagan wife Jezebel you've heard that name more than likely Jezebel was the daughter of a Baal priest and Jezebel had her own agenda she had killed many of the truth prophets of God you find out as you read later that yeah there, there were others that were hidden away and that Elijah wasn't totally alone but he was alone at that moment facing all of them so Jezebel had promoted the worship of the false god Baal. And Ahab, even though he was an Israelite, had turned and he was following this same false god. Now you need to understand something. Any false god is a demon in disguise. I will to say that again. Any false god is a demon in disguise. Baal was the chief god of the Canaanites. Supposedly, they considered him the god of rain, fertility, vegetation. Often he was worshipped even as the sun god. Same reasons. Fertility and, and rain. In the worship of Baal, which was a funny looking idol, but it wasn't funny. It was part bull, part human. Involved cult prostitution, involved child sacrifice. The people would literally pass their children through the fire, burn them alive to curry favor with Baal. I could stop right there and talk about over 60 million abortions in America that is demonic worship to the God of Mammon. And really anymore, it's becoming an open Lucifer worship. But I'm going to get more of that in a minute. The Old Testament prophets had favor with God. And they were sent to the kings, the rulers of their day. And we need to understand something. And it's again a biblical principle. You say, but God gives us free will. We're, we're able to choose and do what we want to. God allows individual free will, always has. That's why Adam and Eve could sin in the garden. But God reserves the right to control nations. You need to hear that again. God gives us individual free will, but God reserves the right to control nations. And we know that even in the latter days, which we're entering into those last days, 
that God is going to control nations. He'll put a hook in their jaw and he'll draw them to where they need to be. So the condition of Israel was that Elijah had spoken previously to King Ahab. He had told him because of the sin of Israel and because of the idolatry that he was praying. God had instructed him to pray and there would not be rain on, the, on, on any of the land for three years. And then we're going to read in a little while how God protects and God, God cared for Elijah. Matter of fact, he fed him with ravens. They brought him bread and meat. And I've always just kind of wondered, now where in the world did those ravens get that bread and meat? Well, personally, this is Wilsonology. The Bible doesn't tell you that. You can just choose to believe whatever you want to. I don't know where they got it, but I figured they probably just went to that palace where Ahab was and because he would have been the one who had plenty of food and they, they, they'd get that and then they'd carry it over to Elijah. But anyway, that's Wilson's idea. I don't know what he wants to do with that. But, so, Elijah had already done this. There had been a tremendous famine because of the drought. The people were, were hurting. They needed rain. They needed it in an extreme way. And this is where we picked up what we just read, where Elijah sent word through one of the servants of Ahab and told him, I want to meet with you. There's another whole story involved with that. But he said, I want to meet with you. And so Ahab did come and meet him. And this is where Elijah goes ahead and, and just tells the king, this is what we're going to do. And you bring your prophets these false prophets, I'll meet you and we'll challenge. And the God that answers by fire, that's the true God. That's the true God. So this is the, this is the setting of what's going on right here. This is the condition of Israel. And I'm going to stop right here because you need to understand something. This is pretty much the condition of America right now. America has become, even though it was founded as Israel was, a covenant nation, even, even though it was founded as a Christian nation, America has become very pagan, and America is really on the brink. I, no, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it this way. I, I really believe America has crossed the line. Because we're in the last days. We're in the beginning of sorrows that the Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 24. And I believe because of some of the things that are going on in America that what we've got happening, it, it shows that no longer are these things being just hidden, but there is an open, Luciferian, demonic worship that is taking place even in America. And you might say to yourself, well, I don't know where in the world you got that. Well, let me show you just a couple of images. And uh, Abby, go ahead and bring that up where it's the Arch of Baal. And uh, let you see this. You can see the Capitol building in the background. That arch is a reconstruction of the entryway into the Temple of Baal that stood for centuries in Syria. Now that particular arch and that particular, the, the original was destroyed by ISIS 
And I don't know exactly why ISIS thought they wanted to do that, but it was destroyed there. But they actually recreated that from photographs and from other uh, things that they had, and they put it in Washington, D.C. Now, I don't know whether you really think about the significance of that or not, but that arch that enters in, that was the arch that in Syria, that the worshipers of Baal, even in modern times, would have to walk through that arch in order to go worship Baal. In other words, it's an entrance. It's a, it's a doorway. And I'm not getting all weird spiritual and all that sort of thing, but you need to understand it literally represents an open door to the spirit that is behind the spirit that's behind the idol, Baal. Amen. Go to the next one. And I'm not going to leave that up there. I just don't like it. This is kind of a cousin. You're looking at an awful looking face. You realize you're looking at the Empire State Building? Lit up in a representation of a Hindu goddess Kali. A goddess of destruction. A goddess of death. You can go back to the verses. This is the condition of America. You realize that America has, over the last, especially decade, we have been going through, you don't hear much about it, one of the most devastating droughts that has ever hit this continent. Lake Mead, which flows into several southwestern states, is almost pond mead. And the Hoover Dam is so low that it is getting to the point, and it may already be there, I haven't checked lately, where they will no longer be able to generate electricity through the turbines in Hoover Dam. There's not enough water to turn the turbines. And there's not enough water for all the crop growing and everything else. Y'all, droughts produce famine, and it's brought about as judgment. It's always judgment. And that's the condition, really, of America today. And, you know, we've had, there's a lot of other things that are taking place. I'm not going to go into all of that. There's factors that are causing crop failure. There's shortages. There's man-made and natural disasters taking place. The enemies of America are circling like sharks in water with blood in it. Now, we can be censored on social media or a lot of people are self-censoring because they may shut down your account. Well, you know what? Let them shut it down. Yeah, shut it down. <laughs> and, you know, just be bold because that's what Elijah was being. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? So this is where I'm going. And in the title of my message really is how do you prepare for the fire to fall? How do you prepare for the fire to fall? Now I could have just simply gone directly into the, the preparation immediately that God instructed Elijah to do when he was on Mount Carmel. And Lord willing, we'll get to that. But how do you prepare? Is there a way that 
Elijah prepared himself. Is there a way that we can be prepared for God's anointing? Not necessarily a physical fire to burn a physical sacrifice, but the fire of God's Holy Spirit, the fire of God's anointing, the fire that burns out the sin in our life, the fire that sets us apart and makes us different from the rest of this world. Is there really a way we can position ourselves? Well, first off, you need to understand, you don't manipulate God. You're not, you're not trying to do something and somehow God's going to go, oh, oh, there's Wilson down there. I guess I better go do something about that. No, see, God's already done. What we're doing is getting ourselves into the place where God's anointing and God's power and God's glory and His righteousness can be manifested in us. It's us getting in line with God, not God getting in line with us. That's a good thing to say amen. So, how did Elijah position himself for the fire of God to fall? Well, there's some things that we can get into. But you have to kind of back up a little bit. And you'll read in chapter 17, I believe it is, where it says that Elijah was a man with great zeal toward the Lord God of Israel. Hmm. Matter of fact, it also says in 17.24 that the widow woman that he was sent to and this was so that he would be fed and so would she. That she recognized him as a true man of God. Elijah of himself wrote that he remained faithful or said that of himself. That he remained faithful unto God. Now... The thing that really the Lord kind of spoke to me, and I'm wanting not to get ahead of myself because I want you to catch this in the story. I'll back up just enough so that you understand where this is coming from. As you read through this entire story, while this drought is going on, it creates a famine. And at first, God simply told Elijah to go by the brook Cherub and God sent ravens, and he had, had, had the ravens go by every day and pick him up a Big Mac. Or, anyway, bread and meat. And then when the brook dried up so there was no more water for him to drink, then God sent him to the city in Zarephath, which was fairly close. And he told Elijah, he said, I want you to go into that city and I want you to go. There's a widow woman. You'll, see, you'll find her. And when, when you find her, you're to tell her to fix you something to eat. And God will sustain her. And so he goes and he, he actually meets with this, this widow lady. He, he, it, it's neat how God sets stuff like that up. I can tell you story after story. You know, God, God works on both ends. When He tells you to go do something and go see somebody, God's working on them at the same time. Amen? But anyway, that's another sermon. But as, as He goes into the city, he, he finds this widow lady and she's gathering up just some sticks of wood. And He said, well, you know, could you go get me some water? And she, she's turning to go get it. And He said, well, while you're at it, well, 
bring me just a, a, a cake. In other words, come and, you know, just a meal, a piece of bread. And she said, well, you know, I, I'm just gathering sticks. I've got just enough meal for me to fix enough for myself and my young son. And then we're going to die because we don't have anything else. And he said, yeah, but I want you to go ahead and go fix me something first. And bring it to me before you fix yourself something. And then God's going to take care of it. Now, can you imagine what would happen with the media if that was done today? Televangelist takes a woman's last meal. You see the headlines now. But she goes and does what she's supposed to do, brings that to him. And the Bible says that her oil and that little bit of meal just kept on going. It just kept on going. It never ran out. And so all the way through until it did rain and crops did come, she was able to eat because she was, she, she was obedient and faithful. And that kind of leads us to back where we were with Elijah. Now, this all happened before he ever got to Mount Carmel. And there's something that we need to understand right here. Elijah, number one, was faithful. He was faithful to do what God told him to do. He was faithful to talk to Ahab the first time and tell him there was going to be a drought. And that wasn't, didn't exactly make him popular. You know, it's kind of like you posting something on Facebook that's not exactly popular. Somebody say amen. But he was faithful. And the Lord kind of spoke this to me. Faithfulness opens doors so faith can call down fire. Turn somebody and look at them and say, faithfulness opens doors. So God can bring down fire. So how do you prepare for God to move in your life? How do you prepare for miracles to take place in your life? One of those keys is faithfulness. And I'm not talking about just being in a legalistic way. Well, I'm always in church. No, I'm talking about faithfulness unto God. Faithfulness whether you're in Walmart. Faithfulness whether you're in the, the gas station. Faithfulness to God whether you're out at the lake. Faithfulness to God whether you're over at a friend's house. Faithfulness to God whether you're in the church house. It's faithfulness that sets us up because faithfulness opens doors. Faithfulness opens doors. Faithfulness gave Elijah an audience with the king. And you know, God really can set you up. If he wants you to, you could have an audience with, you know, President Uncle Joe if he wanted you to. You could have an audience with Congress. So I don't know if I believe that or not. You know, does God really do stuff like that? Well, He's done it with Jonathan Kahn. I know one, one man that we know, we've actually met him, uh, not a close friend or anything like that, is Dr. Samuel Rodriguez. He's actually the, I guess you'd call him the, the president or the overseer of the Latin American Assemblies of God. And you don't really hear that if you see him on TBN or something. But that's, that's who he is and that's what he does. And that man's a preaching machine. But he literally has had the audience of several presidents 
Now, what you may not know is there's a backstory to that. When he was 14 years old, just a kid and just beginning to really serve God, there was somebody in a little assembly of God church that prophesied over him that he would speak to presidents. And he'll be the first one to tell you, you know, I, I don't know where that came from. But God has brought it to pass. Why? Because he's been faithful, even in little things, faithful to do those things that God would have him do. So faithfulness opens doors. And, and then there's Elijah's obedience. And I just got through telling you that part about, you know, him going to the widow. And you got to stop and think about that. And I mean, really think about it. Can you imagine what would happen, really, if in this modern day, somebody, you know, we're having struggles, and, and let's say that, you know, the, the grocery shelves are kind of empty, and some preacher goes and, and talks to especially a, a widow lady and says, well, give me what you basically looks like your last meal, and then God will take care of you. I mean... That wouldn't fly too good. You know, you've got to be obedient when God says to do stuff. I remember one story about a missionary that was driving on a mountain road down in Latin America. And as they were driving that road, it, it, it just hairpin curves on the mountain. And he'd been praying. He, he, was, he was listening to God. And the Lord, I mean, it just came to him just suddenly, get over on the other side of the road. In other words, out of, there's only two lanes. So get in the other side. And he's going around a curve. And he didn't question it. He didn't question where that thought came from. He just instantly moved his vehicle over. And at the time when he moved over, here comes a truck evidently having trouble with its brakes, out of control, going way too fast, going around that curve, and because they were going around that curve, they, they actually went into his lane. If he'd stayed where he was, they would have hit him head on. You need to be obedient. That's a good place to say amen. And you know, there was another thought that God dropped into my spirit about that widow lady. And I think there's a lesson there. Elijah had to get his mind, get his focus off of himself and onto someone else. Because he had to hear from God and realize that this was not really for him as much as it was for this widow woman and her son. So there's a principle involved. And y'all, I'm still talking about what, what can I do to position myself so that God can move in my life, so that I can have a miracle in my life, so that I can have God's fire fall for me in my life. When we get our focus off ourselves, God will not only bless others, God will take care of me. When I get my focus off myself, God will take care of me and someone else. That's another good place to say amen. 
when Elijah got on that mountain and stood and talked to the people, Elijah made a statement and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. The Hebrew word for halt is actually means totter. Just, I mean, just to almost like stagger. To totter. Almost like somebody intoxicated. You know, it's not the only place in the Bible that kind of thought is involved. James tells us not to be double-minded. Paul says in Ephesians, we're not to be tossed to and fro. And I believe Elijah was single-minded on Jehovah God. And I think God is saying to you and to me today, you know what? You can't, you can't ride the fence. You can't be in both camps at the same time. You can't try to live a worldly life, a sinful life, and a godly life at the same time. There has to be a definite decision. You either serve Jesus 100% or just go ahead and serve the world 100%. We see Elijah is established and firm. He wasn't, he wasn't standing up there. And we'll get into this and it's going to be another Sunday because I'm not going to keep going too much longer. But Elijah wasn't standing up on that mountain, wringing his hands and going, man, I sure hope I can pull this off. I don't know what I'm going to do if that fire doesn't fall. wonder if I can sneak a box of matches in my pocket. He wasn't doing that. He was absolutely convinced God was bringing down fire. It's kind of like Jesus when he stood at Lazarus' tomb. He wasn't going, well, I hope this works. Remember Jesus said, Father, I thank you, you've always heard me, already heard me. When you really read this carefully, you find that Elijah's already been in contact with God. He wasn't going up there and, oh, well, I guess maybe I ought to pray since I'm doing this. Oh, no. Everything he was doing, God had instructed him to do. The decisions had already been made. Y'all, it's not when things go absolutely crazy, when the, the crisis hits, when, when, when the worst that could happen happens, when, when everything falls apart, when, when life throws at you, the worst thing it could throw at you, that all of a sudden you decide, oh, maybe I better turn to the Lord. Maybe I better pray a little bit. Uh, well, where's my Bible? I wonder where I put that. Kind of like I remember an old missionary several years ago. He was in Africa and a, he was preaching and this witch doctor came at him and he was walking towards him with a hatchet raised in his hand and shouting in Swahili, I'm going to kill you. And the crowd just parted like the Red Sea and let him in. But he was covered with cow dung. So, you know, I'd, I'd part too. 
But he was walking toward him, and, and the closer he got, he, he's shouting, and Swahili, I'm going to kill you. And the missionary was Charles Greenaway, and, and Brother Greenaway looked at him, and he said, in the name of Jesus. And the guy with the hatchet stared like that, he just stopped. And Brother Greenway said, well, you know, that, that's pretty cool. You know, that worked, I like that. So he stepped closer to the witch doctor and said it again in the name of Jesus. And the witch doctor took a step back. Hatchet still raised. He said, I, I like that. So he said, I said it again in the name of Jesus. And the witch doctor took another step back. Hatchet still raised in the air. And Greenaway just kept saying in the name of Jesus until the man wheeled around and ran. And he said, as far as I know, we've never seen him again. But you've got to understand something. Right then is not when you pull out the concordance and go, oh man, I'm facing a devil. Let me see. A, B, C, D, 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 E, D, E, V. What does it say about devils? No, you better have it in you. Amen. How do I position me for the fire of God? My obedience, my faithfulness. It's already decided. And I'm firm and I'm settled. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. It's already settled. I'm going to serve God. I'm hmm. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, I believe there are miracles you want to do in people's lives. Father, I believe that the first and greatest miracle is to have us totally committed and changed and drawn to you. So, Father, I'm asking for any that are under the sound of my voice to really receive from you, Lord. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that, Lord, you draw us close to you. I know there's stuff going on in the other room, but I want you just to focus for just a moment. Elijah made an altar. And what in the world is an altar? An altar is a place of consecration. A place of dedication. A place of absolute and total surrender unto God Himself. I want to ask you to stand with me. Because I believe we can be in a place where God is able to do miracles in our life. And with some of us, there's things that God needs to work out. Maybe the thing that needs to work out the most is you need to overcome some things. There needs to be a breaking of some strongholds. So I'm going to give an invitation this morning that if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, that you come and you surrender totally 
that you make that definite decision. That it's not double-minded. It's not trying to live a little bit for God and a little bit for the world. But it's 100% for Him. And if you've at one time been saved, but yet you've allowed yourself to just slide into just doing stuff that you know the Lord doesn't approve of, then you need to come. And if you need strength in your life, God will fill you with His Spirit. And if you didn't come a while ago and you need healing, God will heal you. So church, this is, this is where the Lord is speaking to some hearts. So ignore everything else that's around you. And I'm going to pray. I can't and I won't. It wouldn't do any good if it did go out and get someone. But the Holy Spirit, I do believe, is tugging on some hearts. And right now is a good time to come to an altar. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of change. Today is the day when God's presence can change things in your life. Father, right now, Lord, I pray that the Spirit of the living God wash over this place. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you bring us into that place where we do not totter, halt between two opinions. But Lord, where we're completely surrendered and committed to the Lord our God. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that any who need to make that commitment, that rededication, make it today. In Jesus' precious, precious name. Hallelujah to the Lamb. If you need to come, this is your invitation. If you need to come, this is your invitation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hmm. I didn't really finish this message. So there's going to be another Sunday. You're going to get part two. And I'm hoping you're sitting there going, yeah, but I want to know what happened. Well, you're just going to have to come back. And you'll be blessed. Amen. Praise God. You get anything out of this this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, share, share it with somebody. And don't run off. There is more food here than anybody's got a right to eat. But we'll, we'll, we'll be blessed. Amen. So there's plenty. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, Kevin, can I call on you to dismiss us with a word of prayer? And then 
We'll, we'll let somebody come out and give us some instructions. Go ahead. Lord, we thank you from the bottom of our heart, from the top of our minds. We just thank you for this word that penetrates our heart and we take it with you. May your word be upon our lips always. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. Sister Judy, can somebody come give us some instruction? I'll, I'll 